You're listening to the Good Lion Midweek Message. This message was preached at our Monday Night Young Adults online Bible study and discussion group. If you'd like to join one of our weekly gatherings, please email us at goodlionnetwork at gmail.com. Here at Good Lion, our heart is to provide you with Christ-centered content that will help you follow the way of Jesus and fall more deeply in love with God. Now here's Aaron with a message on the importance of faith, hope, and love for followers of the way. Thanks for listening. Well, hello, everyone. It's so, so good to be with you. I can't tell you how much it warms my heart to be speaking to a group of people, a community of Christ followers who have a desire for community and for growing together. That's incredibly exciting to me. And this is my first time doing this, and it's your first time being here. And so it might be good to explain who I am and what this is. So my name is Aaron Salvato. I am a follower of Jesus, a husband to the amazing Brooklyn, who is the light of my life. I am a pastor and a missionary. I served as one of the youth pastors at Calvary Chapel Vista for many, many years. And currently, I direct a lot of my pastoral work to Calvary Global Network. And although I don't currently work at a physical church, I've been living in Oklahoma as a missionary, which is exactly as weird as it sounds. And a lot of my current ministry work goes to leading and directing the Good Lion Podcast Network, which I started with the help of CGN. I produce content, I create podcasts, including my favorite project, the Good Lion Podcast, which I run with my dear, good buddy, Brian Higgins. And through that podcasting, it's led me to all sorts of amazing interactions with people throughout the crazy world of the internet. Uh, If you would have told me a few years ago that I'd be witnessing to people online and praying with people online and counseling with people online and, and preaching online on a regular basis, I would have said, that sounds weird and crazy. I don't know about that, but this has become my reality, and I've been learning to step into it. I I used to be sad, you know, that things are different, you know, woe is me, I wish I could do church the way that I normally did it in the past, but the reality is, throughout this experience of the last few years, we've all been struggling to figure out how to make things work, and so I've been learning myself to adapt and to grow for the sake of the gospel. When I first came to Oklahoma, I started a Bible study at a local coffee shop, which went great, did that for about a year, loved it. Then the church that I was attending asked me if I could be their youth pastor for a church that they were planting, which seemed like an awesome fit. I still very much love youth ministry, and I was excited to jump back into the crazy world of pizza and dodgeball and helping 13-year-old boys learn that even if you fail your math test or even if the girl that you have a crush on doesn't like you back, there's hope in Jesus, dude. It's going to be okay. So I was looking forward to that. And then COVID happened and ruined not just my plans, but everybody's plans. The church that I was going to be serving at had to put things on pause and extend the length of time it was going to take to actually plant the new church, which has put the formation of a new youth ministry to sort of be on an extreme pause, which was really discouraging for me, but I've been trying to just trust the Lord and trust his timing and just be patient and pray that he gives the awesome and amazing, I've got some awesome and amazing leaders at my church, uh, wisdom and guidance on how to move forward with the future of the youth ministry. So that brings me to the here and now. And the question I had to keep asking God was, what's, what's next? And to my surprise, he planted an idea in my heart, which was to take things back to what 
I really wanted to do when I left Vista, California. At the time, I thought I'd be moving to Ireland to work with young people, either to start a college group or to teach at a Bible college. And and when me and my wife got redirected to Oklahoma, there were really no opportunities like that. There were no open doors. And so, you know, again, that was discouraging. But to my surprise, God has an interesting way of working things out because over the last few years, God has actually had me working constantly with young adults and college students. They're sort of the main demographic of people that listen to the podcast that we work on and that we do. I'm constantly finding myself interacting online with young people on a regular basis, and that's been so encouraging to me. And over the summer last year, I started an internship program for the podcast network, and I got to work with an incredible group of young people, and I was teaching them how to make podcasts for ministry, but in the process, discipleship started to happen, because while we started talking about podcasts, nine times out of ten, we'd end up talking about Jesus, and that's where the fun would actually begin, or even more fun than making a podcast is, is talking about Jesus together. For me, talking about Jesus is what makes me come alive. And so I was very blessed to be able to get to do that with this amazing group and, and actually to develop some actual lasting friendships. And that brings us to what's going on right here, right now, this strange uh, thing that we're doing. Uh, we are at the start of a new ministry, and I don't really necessarily know what to call it. I'm just thinking Good Lion Ministries, because everything else that I've done lately has been under that name, Good Lion. And I'm just so tired of starting new things. Uh, so I'm thinking maybe I'll just stay with that because honestly, I haven't really had a good track record for coming up with names. Uh, when I was at Vista, I named the youth group Hope's Anchor, which I thought was a really cool name, but I was told it sounded like a soap opera about an old woman and a sea captain who lived near a lighthouse. That was actually Pete Denham who told me that, and it's stuck with me ever since. Thank you, Pete. And then when I first left Vista and came out to Oklahoma, the first ministry that I started was a ministry dedicated to designing free websites and graphics for missionaries and church planners. And I remember I was sitting on a plane reading a book about starting ministries and nonprofits. And there was a quote in the book that said, if you're starting a new ministry or a nonprofit, make sure you don't use some Hebrew or Greek word that no one's ever heard of for your name. It's going to make things very confusing and no one will probably donate to your ministry because they can't even pronounce the name of it. And I read that passage and then I closed the book and I continued with my plan to call the ministry Hesed Creative after a Hebrew word that I really loved about God's loving kindness and faithfulness. And I thought it was great. My wife advised me, like the book, that it probably wasn't the best name, but I stuck with it. And to this day, I still have people asking me, hey, what's the name of your ministry? He said Creative? What? Who, who said? <laughs> it's just, yeah, so seriously, even my own mother, it took her a while to get the name right. So it turns out that the book and my wife were right. My wife is usually right. And well, the ministry has said it became a blessing to a lot of different ministries and missionaries and church planners for the season that we ran it. And even though it never got the amount of donations and support that I hoped it would to grow, probably because of the name, I, I was so blessed to run it for the time that I did. And if it was the foundation of sorts for the ministry stuff that my wife and I are currently doing through the Good Lion Podcast Network. And so for now, until we come up with a better name, I think let's just call this thing Good Lion Ministries. And so that's my introduction. I'd like to get out of this intro to me and to what we're doing and to actually start doing it. So uh, let's jump into the scripture. 
because I wanna explain, if I can, the heart of why I'm starting this little online Bible study group and why I'm excited to gather together with you and to study God's word with any of you that would gather with us on a regular basis or even once in a while. So for me personally, it's summed up in Paul's words in 1 Corinthians 13. So let's read from that. 1 Corinthians 13, this is Paul's classic chapter on love. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but I do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but I do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrong. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, and always perseveres. Love never fails, but where there are prophecies, they will cease where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when completedness comes, what is in part disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror, then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Father, I want to take a moment to pray over the beginning of something new. I pray that you would have your hand on what is happening right here and right now. God, as we look at your faith, as we look at your hope, and as we look at your love, I pray that you would help us to instill into our hearts what those three things are and what they mean for us. We need faith, we need hope, and we need love and we know that all of these things flow from you. So we ask right now that you would open up our ears, open up our hearts, open up our minds, and speak into this moment and show us your heart and who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay, so right now, today, I want to talk with you about faith, hope, and love, because these are the three main forces driving why I'm speaking to you right now and why I feel like we should do this. So let's look at the first reason, faith. In this moment, faith is something that we desperately need. For many of us, including myself, 2020 has brought so much fear and anxiety and pain and unrest and just honestly drama. It's, it's been a time of swimming in negative emotions. And that's, that's why we need faith. Because if there's one thing that 2020 brought me, it was a loss of faith in the common good of humanity. Politicians failed us, leaders failed us, our neighbors failed us, and if we're honest, we too failed everyone else in many ways. We need to believe in something beyond ourselves, something greater. 
Because I don't know about you, but after this last year, I feel so empty and so small and so useless and so unconvinced of my own ability to save anyone or anything. But I'll tell you honestly that I am more convinced than ever in Jesus's ability to save me and to save you and to save a lost and dying. I love these words of C.S. Lewis. I believe in Christianity as I believe that the sun has risen, not only because I see it, but because by it, I see everything else. So, so good, so profound. I, I love this and I want it to be true of me and of you, that we would see everything else through the eyes of faith that that's the only way that I know I can make sense and light of a world that is increasingly dark and senseless. The Apostle Paul had some great words on this back in the chapter we just read. I'm gonna go back and read it, and I'm gonna use Peterson's message translation because I love how he phrases it. He writes, we don't yet see things clearly. We're squinting in a fog, peering through a mist, but it won't be long before the weather clears and the sun shines bright. We'll see it all then. We'll see it all clearly as God sees us, knowing him directly just as he knows us. I'd love this. This is the essence of our faith, that we are living in a world that is fogged up with sin and suffering. And yet Jesus is shining through the fog, helping us catch a glimpse of the greatness that is to come and helping us experience his presence and his power and his friendship in the here and now. And, and as we're surrounded by darkness, he surrounds us with his light and his love. And so we walk by faith and not by sight until that amazing day when he reveals all truth to us. Faith is often defined as complete trust or confidence in someone or something. And that is what I want to preach until the day that I die. Faith in Jesus defined not just as holding on to some vague notion of belief or a faint memory of a prayer that you said at a camp a long time ago or a beach baptism, something that you revisit in your mind and heart at times when you feel sad or guilty to reassure yourself. No, I want to preach to you about a great greater faith, because if I don't, I'd be robbing you. <laughs> I'd be absolutely robbing you of the good stuff. Again, more Lewis, he says, to have faith in Christ means, of course, trying to do all that he says. There would be no sense in saying you trusted a person if you would not take his advice. Thus, if you have really handed yourself over to him, it must follow that you are trying to obey him, but trying in a new way, a less worried way, not doing these things in order to be saved, but because he has begun to save you already, not hoping to get to heaven as a reward for your actions, but inevitably wanting to act in a certain way because a first faint gleam of heaven is already inside of you. So, so good. I love it. Lewis is reminding us that true faith to Jesus is obedience to Jesus. And friends, there's no better way to live than a life of obedience. And we don't like that word. My generation and your generation does not like that word because we bristle at authority. Authority is another dirty word. But I, I'm telling you that if you see a life of obedience to Jesus as just a list of 
don'ts, a list of things that you cannot do, you're missing out on so much. Yes, obedience to Jesus means listening to the shepherd when he's warning you about wolves or a cliff that you're about to walk off of or a poisonous berry you're about to eat. But I want to remind you that obedience to Jesus also means saying yes to adventure, to go where he calls you to go, to serve where he calls you to serve, to love who he calls you to love. In Matthew 7, 13 through 14, Jesus says, enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it, because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life, and there are few who find it. Jesus calls us to enter by the narrow gate, which again can seem so restrictive. But listen, I've said this for years and I'm going to keep saying it. The narrow gate opens us up to a world. The gate may be narrow, but the narrow gate actually opens us up to a wider world than you can possibly imagine living life on your own without Christ. Guys, my, my generation and below right now is suffering from an epidemic of doubt. People are leaving the church and leaving the faith left and right. In this current moment, I honestly just want to continue to point people to faith. Hebrews 11:6 6 says, without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. It's my genuine hope that this little study and discussion gathering will help grow and feed your faith and that through this, it will help you seek God and learn how to please him through the ministry of actually cultivating a deep love and friendship with Jesus Christ. That's the heart. That's the goal. So reason one is faith. Reason two is hope. Our world needs hope. I'm convinced of that now more than ever before in my life. There is such a need for hope. In my own life, I have suffered in the last couple years more loss than I've ever suffered. I recently went through the death of both my grandfather and my cousin. Um, my cousin Tony died in a car accident. Uh, it was unexpected. It was horrible. It was one of the worst days of my life to get that phone call from my dad uh, to learn about what had happened to my cousin. And um, just this amazing guy with so much life ahead of him. He was thinking about getting married and just... He just had so much in store and he was a person who loved Jesus and served Jesus with his life. There was such a future ahead of him and, and that was torn from not just him, but, for, but from his entire family. Um, my, my grandfather, uh, recently he'd been sick for quite some time. Uh, he had struggled through cancer. He had struggled through a stroke and recently he reached the point where he couldn't go on anymore. He, he fought long, he fought hard, but his life came to an end. And, and that, again, for me and my family was, was so shattering and so hard and so difficult and, and painful. And there's pain that still remains in, in my heart that I walk with daily through that. But here's, here's the thing that I've realized and that I'm so thankful for is my 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 grandfather and my cousin both lived with a hope uh, the hope of Jesus 
Hebrews 6, 19 through 20 says, this hope we have is an anchor of the soul, a hope both sure and steadfast, a hope which enters within the veil where Jesus has entered as a forerunner for us. Listen, I, I'm still carrying the pain of loss of these two people that I love, but I also carry with me hope, and it's the same hope that they had. They weren't afraid to die because they knew where they were going. They knew about the hope of heaven, and not just heaven in the disembodied spiritual realm, but the promise of the new heaven and the new earth, the resurrection of all things, the renewal of all things. These two people that I love dearly, I know I'm gonna see them again. I know that's that's a hope that I have. It's a hope they had, and it's a hope that I have. And, and I've just been thinking over the last few years, about the people like them in my life who have hope and how there's so many people out there who don't have hope. There's so many people who don't know Christ and who need to know him so that they can experience that hope. And so that is one of the driving forces behind why I feel compelled to record these things and to say these things and to preach these things. It's, it's my deep prayer that this gathering would be a place to find hope. Whether you're here and you don't believe in Jesus, or whether you're here and you've been a Christian for 20 years, we all need the hope of Christ. Jesus wants to save the lost, but he wants to save Christians too. The non-Christian has to be saved from eternal separation from God, but the Christian needs to be continually saved from themselves, from their own sin, their pride, their lust, their anger, their doubt, and all sorts of other sinful disorders that we live with. I've been a Christian for 29 years and a pastor for over a decade, and I know this truth deep down in my bones. The only hope for me, the only hope for Aaron Salvato is Jesus Christ. My attitude is not come listen to me talk because I'm the expert on Christianity. My heart and my disposition in this is I am a beggar who is trying to help other beggars find bread. And I truly believe that Jesus is the king who is constantly passing out bread to the beggars. And so I'm just saying, let, let's, go, let's go enjoy that bread together. I love this quote by Spurgeon. He says, let this one great, gracious, glorious fact lie in your spirit until it permeates all your thoughts and makes you rejoice, even though you are without strength. Rejoice that the Lord Jesus has become your strength and your song. He has become your salvation. So, so good. The enemy wants us to hope in our own strength, in our own abilities, our own knowledge, and our own wisdom. But the enemy also is a thief that only comes to steal and kill and destroy. But Jesus says, I come that they would have life and have it more abundantly. That's, that's our great hope. For me, it's not just the hope that I'll see my cousin and my grandfather again, which is a great hope that gives me courage to face the realities of life and death, but also the hope that Jesus can allow us to live a resurrected life now, a life filled with his love and joy and peace, a life filled with the Holy Spirit. This is the hope that we need right now because humans will never be able to fix this dying world on our own. There will always be problems, no matter how much we try to fix the world through conserving or progressing. Either way, without Christ, we are doomed. 
but through Jesus, we can be a new kind of people and we can show the world a little glimpse of heaven here and now through the hope that we have. And this, this dying world needs hope and we have that, we truly have it. I'm not sure who said this quote, but I love it. If God can bring blessing from the broken body of Jesus and glory from something that's as horrifying as the cross, he can bring blessing from my problem and my pain and my unanswered prayer. I just have to trust him. That's the hope that we need. And this hope is only found in Jesus. We need this hope in seasons of being weary and tired and overwhelmed with the troubles of life. Psalm 43, five says, why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. That's what we want to do here. We want to continue to point each other back to the hope that we have in Jesus. We have so much hope because of Jesus. The gift of that hope was given to us as a direct result of the love of Christ. And that's what brings me to the third reason, which is love. The third reason is love. Let's go back again. 1 Corinthians 13, verse one, if I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but I don't have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging, crashing cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and I can fathom all the mysteries and knowledge out there, if I have this amazing faith that can just move mountains, but I don't have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor, I'm just the most amazing person at charity in the history of all time. And I give over my body to hardship that I may boast about all the suffering I've done but I don't have love that I gain nothing. Remember, he says between faith, hope, and love, the greatest of these is love. The most important thing I can leave you with in this message and every message that follows is the reality of God's great love for you. A love that knitted you together in your mother's womb, a love that has held your hand through every trial that you've ever faced in your entire life, a love that has shown mercy to you despite every sin that you have committed, and a love that holds you as so precious and so valued that it was willing to suffer and die for you. Remember, John 15, 13 says, greater love has no one than this than to lay down one's life for his friends. It's a beautiful and mysterious and wonderful thing that Jesus would call us friends and lay down his life for us. I, I know, I know the weight of my own sin, and I know that there is nothing in my own worth that should cause Jesus to die for me. And yet he did, and he did the same for you. St. Augustine says, God loves each of us as if there were only one of us. I, I've always loved how Pastor Josh White has phrased it. He was the God who was so unwilling to live without you that he died so that you might live with him. There's no greater love than that. And that's why I'm excited that this isn't just going to be people listening to a sermon. I'm glad that the plan is for us to immediately from this sermon, jump into a group discussion, to speak truth into one another, to pray over one another and to show kindness to one another. That's one of the core functions of what it means to be the church. And this is not a church. I'm, I'm not trying to replace church. Everyone watching this message should be going to church. But we, 
everyone here listening, the reality is we are the church. If you're watching this, if you're a believer in Christ, you, we are the church, we are the body of Christ, no matter who you are, we are all connected through this great love. And this is why love is so essential. John 13, 35 says, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Listen, we need community, we need genuine conversation. I know I need it and I know you do too. And I'm honored if you hear that you would wanna take part in this small corner of Christian community that we're trying to create. Uh, Andrew Peterson says, there's no doubt in my mind that what's shaped me and my work more than any particular talent on my part has been living out a calling in the midst of a Christ-centered community. I, I love this quote. I, I so resonate with this. I, I love this, you know, for me, I've reached a point in, in my discipleship journey where over the last couple of years, God's been having me make a ton of content and, and push out content and put out podcasts and messages to people. And I've been so just humbled and honored that I've had the opportunity to do that. But I'm realizing that I need to be with the people of God and I need to be talking about the faith with them. I, I need to be living out my calling, not just off in the wilderness, but in the midst of a Christ-centered community. And so that's my hope, that through our time together, we would discover faith, hope, and love. And in discovering that, we would discover more deeply the calling that Jesus has for each and every one of us. I'm not looking for an audience. I'm looking for a community. And while I know God is calling me to step back into teaching and preaching, I also know that in this moment, he hasn't called me to plant a church. So the question is, what do I do with that? And this is, this is where I've landed. Uh, discipleship and community specifically targeted at people who are struggling right now, people who feel like they are lacking a sense of true community in their life. I would love for this to be an oasis in the desert, something to help you along on your journey of following Christ. And again, while I know God has called me to step back into preaching and teaching, I also know he has just as much for me to learn myself in the process. And so I'm deeply looking forward to the things that he's gonna teach me through those of you who join in with our conversations, because I truly believe that God's spirit is in all of us who follow Jesus. And it's his desire to speak to all of us through all of us. That's what his spirit does. And so the, the last thing that I'll say is it's my deep, deep hope that in our time together, that we'd get filled up with the love of Christ and just carry it back out into the world, into our families and our friends and our community and our workplaces. I see so much Christian content that's made by Christians for Christians. And it's so focused on the effort to get our theology perfect or arguing with other Christians with slightly different theology. But I'm struck by the words of D.L. Moody. He says, the world does not understand theology or dogma but it understands love. I love this so much. This is not some call to the cheap form of love that the world offers, which is acceptance of someone as long as they agree with you. No, the love that is shocking is a love that treats people as if they are precious to Jesus and as they're made in the image of God, even if you completely disagree with their entire worldview. That is a powerful love that the world can tangibly understand. The world does not understand theology or dogma, but it understands love. And it's through the love of Jesus, through Christians showing love and kindness and mercy and grace that the eyes of the world will actually become opened up to theological truth. 
For those of us here who have been Christians a long time like myself, I think every single one of us knows somebody who's been wounded by Christians and hurt by Christians and hurt by the church, and now they're drifting off into a progressive Christianity or a non-Christianity, some faith found in the self or the inner spirit without Christ. And I see this happen all of the time. And my friends, honestly, love is the antidote. For so many people, they've been shown a false image of what the church is supposed to be. They've been shown a a warped, bizarro mirror image that was just legalism and dogma and condemnation without actual conviction of the Spirit, without actual love that says, I love you so much that I'm not going to let you get swept off into sin. No, it was just condemnation. We've all seen that. We all know people who have seen that and, and, and they've left because of it. And I just want, I want myself and I want everyone listening to this, I want us to continue to become a community that gives people a love that actually points them back to Christ, a love that leads to repentance, a kindness that leads to repentance and restoration. Faith, hope, and love, these are the three things we need, and these are the three things that I'm hoping that in our time together as we study the Word and as we discuss, I'm hoping that these will be the things that define this small, tiny corner of internet Christian ministry happening. So that's my prayer. And, you know, with that, I think I'll end in prayer. So let's pray. Jesus, I thank you so much for this group of people. I'm so excited to be getting together with them. This is so strange. This is so out of my comfort zone. This is so weird. It feels so so empty to be recording a message in my garage by myself, knowing that some people might listen to it later. But God, I'm trusting you that you are doing something through this, that you are working in this, and that you have a plan for this. And I just pray, God, that you would help this ministry to be a blessing to people, help it to to lead people to growth, help it to lead people to a deeper understanding of you. I, I pray that it would not just shape those who listen and participate, but it would shape me as well. I'm so blessed. Even uh, while writing this sermon, I was moved to tears several times, and I'm just so grateful for the opportunity to teach your word. Um, I'm just so thankful, uh, and I'm thankful, God, that that even though the circumstances for me may not be uh, the the ones that I thought they would be, you know, teaching at a Bible college or or pastoring a church or whatever the the typical road. Thank you, God, that you've actually led me on this unconventional journey that has opened up my eyes to so many unique and new ways to do ministry, um, ways that honestly uh, scare me because they're so different from what I'm used to, but I'm so thankful that you've opened up the door for this kind of ministry to happen. So God, I just pray that you'd have your hand on this this steady group uh, as we study the scriptures, as we learn together, and I pray that you'd bless our time uh, tonight, and I pray that you'd bless the discussion that comes from this. I pray that you'd bless the ministry that happens as people listen to this on the podcast. Um, God, I just pray that you would use this for your kingdom and for your glory. We love you, Jesus, and we give you this time. In your name, amen. Amen. Thanks, everybody. I'm excited for all of this to happen. Thank you for being here. Seriously, it means the world to me that you're here. And um, 
I'm excited to see what happens next. So, all right, signing off.